Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You may have thought to do the noble thing about investing for your kids' future with various investment apps or investment platforms. Well, one of the things we're talking about today is what do you do if you've had a significant loss on the investment account? We'll unpack that. We're also going to talk about self-managed super funds and whether you should move your super to a self-managed super fund. And all is not what it seems. But today, our Tuesday show, we can't do this without our new show partner, Sphere Home Loans. Now, the biggest myth out there in money land when it comes to mortgages is that you need a mortgage broker where you live or you need to get a mortgage broker where the property is that you're going to buy. If it's interstate for an investment property or you're moving interstate, that is not the case. The team at Sphere Home Home Loans can talk to you wherever you are in Australia, whether you need a first home, a refinance on your existing property, or perhaps you want to buy an investment property, just search Sphere Home Loans or click the link in the show notes and they'll be able to help you wherever you are. My name's Glenn James and this guy is... John Pigeon. Welcome to the podcast. Let's get it on. Rightio. Steph in the Facebook group asked a question about what is the best car loan provider if I'm on Centrelink benefits, but partner is working full-time on a low income? Steph says she has a deposit and that they can afford repayments based on the website calculators. So, John, this situation, I'm looking at profile photos, perhaps under 30, uh, trying to build our life and our career, uh, Steph is on Centrelink benefits. We don't know the reasons why, uh, and that's okay. It's it's a legitimate thing uh, for many of us um, at different times. What is your advice to someone in this situation, given the limited information that we have? Yes, very limited. Oh, look, and I was actually at a at a high school talking to some Year Elevens this morning about this, and my general advice slash information to them, recommendation was avoid a car loan like the plague. Save your money, do it the hard way because there's a feeling of, of uh, completion and, and satisfaction when you get that done and, and you walk in and buy your car with, with uh, the folding stuff, namely cash. The second option being the bank of mum and dad at a competitive interest rate that you pay them back and uh, everyone's a winner. The third option is obviously the car loan. Now, we want to avoid that where possible. Now, I know that we obviously need a car to drive around in and get from A to B if B is our place of work, uh, but it just, it, I, I don't know. And I've had a car loan before. Mm. It sends you down a dark and deadly path if you don't manage it well. Yeah. And what I would probably say is, Let's just talk about this conceptually and not based on the questioner. When it comes to your personal finances and your budget, you need 
as little hanging off that as possible in terms of payments. You know, I've had car loans in the past. I haven't had one for many, many years. Uh, and I just, you know, I stopped drinking the societal Kool-Aid and just because I can afford a big car and I can afford the monthly repayments, I don't know if that means I can afford the car. And for me, when I spend cash in one transaction, it's a lot harder to part with, I'll make a number up, it's a lot harder to part with $20,000 than it is to get a loan for $500 a month. Yes. For $20,000. So the fact that we're buying it with cash, emotionally, it will slow us down. 101, personal finance, we do not borrow money for depreciating things. Now, I've changed my tune a little bit over the years. I'm not as mean and angry as I once was. I, you know, if I'm coaching someone to get out of debt, for example, I would rather forget the car, keep those payments going. Let's just focus on the other debt because I just want people to get into a habit of going forward. We don't use debt for stuff, if that makes sense. And Mm. I'd rather win the overarching war of having good financial habits and investing for our future than turning someone off by me saying, you're not allowed to have a car loan or you're not allowed to have a nice secondhand car and and all that stuff. So this is kind of the dance, right? 101 best practice, I believe, for your budget is to pay cash for a car because it will slow you down and you won't spend as much and less money in depreciating assets. Ta-da, guess what? You make more money. (laughs) It's like as Mm. simple as that. Now, if we go to some basic rules that I've put in place uh, for people who might listen to this, and we'll put a link in the show notes to my car loan checklists, if you will. Do not have assets with motors in them in your household worth more than 50% of your take-home income. So if there was a family and there was someone earning 80000 and another spouse earning 20000 that's $100,000 household income, there is no way on the planet between the two of them, we want stuff with motors worth more than $50,000. So two cars worth 25 grand each is the absolute max, right? So that's a good rule of thumb. No, caravan's fine. Uh, No, (laughs) there's fridges in caravans usually, so that's a motor. Um, (laughs) Anything that's going down in value, the motor and a caravan. Um, So if you've got a boat, a car and another car, That's three things that need to come in under that 50%. And that's just a guidepost, right? So we're not putting too much of our wealth into decreasing assets. The second thing I would say, if you're like, look, I want a car loan, I want to get this car. And to be honest, I actually told a friend the other day, and this is kind of the reason why I say pay cash, because a lot of us, well, maybe I'm maybe the exception. I tend to not keep my car for like eight years because I like cars and I like changing. I had a friend the other day, they keep their car for like over 10 years mm. and he's looking at upgrading um, because he's got a growing family, got the dog. And I'm like, just go buy a brand new flipping Kia. You get seven years warranty yeah. and get on with your life because the difference and, you know, he was in a certain financial situation and, you know, because he's going to hold the car for like over 10 years, in 10 years time, it doesn't really matter the 
that first initial hit on the depreciation. But also, if he can get something two years old that still has warranty, knock yourself out. But he was in the position where I'm like, I know they've got money. Mm. Um, I'm like, just go choose your colour, choose your seats and the kids are at the age where they're not absolutely going to trash it. And because you hold it for so long, knock yourself out. But we still want to bring in these principles that no more than 50% household income in depreciating assets. So another thing, I always like to say, if you are getting a car loan, make sure you put a deposit down, try and put in 20%. So if you want to get a $10,000 car, try and put $2,000 into it and don't have the loan more than four years because what that will do is it will ensure that at any time, generally speaking, the car will be worth what you owe on it by putting in that deposit. And again, that deposit will slow you down. So Unless it's a BMW. Yeah, I don't know. I've never had one. But all that to say... That's kind of my guideposts. But back to the question, if we are in startup phase with our money life, if we are on a lower income, if we are on Centrelink benefits and we've got a spouse or partner that's on Centrelink and the other one's on lower income, like the questioner, I would totally implore you not to get a loan because sometimes with these types of situations, lower income, Centrelink, all that, you may have to go to a lender that will be a, a such a savage high interest rate and it's just going to send you backwards further. Because a lot of the time the question is, oh, I want to get a car loan. Um, I've got a mortgage. A lot of the time you can get asset finance if you've got a mortgage for basically the same rate as your mortgage. So that's kind of why I'm, like, I do have a bit more grace and all that. I personally don't do loans because it slows me down. But if you do have a mortgage you're probably better off to get a four-year loan. So at least it's separate and you will pay it off over four years, not refinancing the home and paying it for 30 years. But it goes back to the principle, I don't do it. I pay cash even though I've got a mortgage because it slows me down. So when you are in a lower income, we need to just make sure that we can keep building your financial life. So if you get a car that's a bit cheaper and you've got a loan and then something happens to it and it breaks and it's a write-off, you're not left with no asset and still a loan and it just sets you back further? I think with the, okay, I wake up, um, I haven't had the best management of money in the past but now I've got a job and I need to go halfway across town, I haven't got a vehicle, what do I do? I've got no money in the bank. Then, okay, we need to create a, a situation where I'm trading my time for money, I go and get myself a job. If I need to get a five grand car loan, then yeah, knock ourselves out because it's for income producing purposes. But as you mentioned, we want to pay down on that as quick as possible and have a, a, a good plan or a good system around the money coming in and the, and the money going out. Because that's the real kicker here, isn't it? Because people look at it and say, oh, website calculator, I can afford that, no problems, I'll, I'll go and do that. But not realising that, okay, I'm on six, seven, eight percent and the asset's going down in value and I wake up in four years' time and I've lost 10 grand when the car was actually only valued at 10 grand to begin with. Yeah. And that's kind of, I'm going to talk about it a bit later in the show about um, words leaving my mouth and it, you know, because stuff is contradicting because we're talking about what I do, we're talking about what other people do, we're talking about the options that are available and it's really hard. But I just go back to my principle where I don't do it. But in this situation, can you snowball a car? So we talk about debt snowball, right? Where we 
save up money, pay off debt, and then we put that money, we're saving on that, paying off that debt to the next debt. You know, you've said you've got a deposit. We'll assume you've got $5,000. Can you, and assuming you've currently got a car, and this is a whole other thing, you people out there, and I've been guilty of this before, you get in this emotional rut where you need to justify something new and what you've got is actually fine. Just want to pause and check yourself before you wreck yourself. Can you last another six months with the current car that you've got, keep saving a bit of a deposit, then sell that car for three grand, put your deposit of five grand together, go buy a seven grand car in a year's time, car's probably still going to be worth six or seven grand, you've saved more money, sell the car, add money to it and slowly upgrade your car over time providing you've got an emergency fund and slowly walking up in car rather than getting a loan because it all goes back to you've got to keep your cash flow lean and agile. And if you are on a lower income, we need you to focus on your career. We need you to focus all your effort into um, growing your income, not being stressed out, being strapped for cash each week uh, because you've got a car payment. Quick story on this to end that, if I may. You may. Walking the dog yesterday morning and I see a Toyota Prado for sale on the side of the road, uh, which is older but similar model to mine. And I look, I'm intrigued by cars and their prices and whatever else, and I look at the uh, the sign for sale, uh, guess how many kilometres it had done? Oh, Prado. Prado's go forever, right, by I the way? 600. Keep going. One million kilometres. <laughs> Wow. And, and I've looked at that and I'm like, gee, I was thinking of trading mine in it when it got to 200. Oh, I've got another 800 left. Oh, yeah. Like cars, and particularly this day and age, look after them, they'll look after you. Also, have that rule with your spouse. <laughs> Lucy. Yeah, what's Lucy's question there, John? I started with Spaceship in June 2021 for my daughter's savings, now five years, and over time have put in $700. There is now 520. I'm wondering if I should take the 520 and put it in my daughter's Great Southern Bank, which I made for the 5% interest. I don't plan to keep adding to Spaceship and I'm being charged minimal fees. I just wondered if I don't plan to add anything, would the 700 even come back and make significant profit or is it better to just use the 5% interest with GSB for my daughter's savings as she grows up, access probably around 16 to 18 years. I'll add money to what whichever account, bank account or investing account is going to be the most profitable for her thanking you. So what would you do in this sitch, Johnson? Look, um, for my kids' stuff, I th- I'm a big set and forget type mm. person. It's like, well, okay, it's, it's going to do what it's going to do, up, down, sideways over the next, uh, as Lucy mentioned, like 15, 16 years. Let's just continue to do its thing and not f- fluff around with it and try and find something that's going to outperform it. But, uh, yeah, that that's me personally. What are you doing? Well, I think... Lucy, like many other Australians, had a really good lesson in diversification when it comes to Spaceship and the, um, their investment app and platform. Uh, Spaceship is effectively a, a, an active managed fund um, with an app at the front. And, you know, Lucy's probably had up to a 30% loss uh, because there was such a high concentration to tech stocks. And, you know, before... You know, during COVID, the spaceship portfolio was going up 30% a year and everyone's like, oh, it's doing well, need to get on this. 
but not some people might have not known that it was highly concentrated to like the NASDAQ 100, which is like the top tech stocks, right? So there's some diversification lessons there. Um, you've got all international, mainly international, and full disclosure, I actually haven't looked at the Spaceship PDS for some time. So you've got mainly international, you've got 100% equity, you've got mainly tech, and that's a lesson in diversification. So based on the exact question, what I'm probably doing is just leaving it in Spaceship. Even and though you're not convinced about the product and its performance? Like do you, do you feel well, that that recovers is, this, over time? Well, yeah, it will flow into my next question, but I think structurally there's nothing wrong with investing in tech stocks if you understand yeah. what you're doing and, and all that stuff. It'd be like someone said to you, John, oh, I've, I bought a holiday apartment and it's taken a bath. Do I just piss it off now or just hold on for the next 10 years? And you know what I mean? Like structurally there isn't anything wrong with the asset class. It was more of a timing of when it was purchased and maybe not understanding the whole portfolio. Yeah. So you got a couple of options. Probably three. I'll make up three options. I'll try and make up four. And I do these on the spot. And everyone asks me, how do you prepare episodes? I'm like, I don't. Um, that's half the problem slash half the appeal. Number one, do nothing. Continue building cash in the bank account, as you said. The second option is do nothing and put any new money into a second investment app or something like that that is more diversified. The third option is to sell down the spaceship portfolio, take that loss of say the $200 and find another investment platform solution that has a diversified portfolio for the next few years. So you're technically selling at a loss, but you're putting the money back into the market, right? So then it can kind of grow over time and it's going to take some time to recover 30%, but you know, we've got a long time. The fourth option is to sell down and just put money in the bank account and continue contributing to the bank account. But what I want you to do is probably have a look, uh, if you haven't already, I did two episodes. Have you listened to them yet, Investing for Kids, John? You said you would. Yes, I, I did. And did I you? No, and I will. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said I'll listen and I will. Um, so, yeah, I did two huge episodes about investing for kids and the structure, but that's what I mean. Like I think it's okay and this is for the sake of $200, of a loss, it's not changing your life based on a household income of 80 to 100 grand. Like we take that as a diversification lesson. We go, yep, went a bit too hard, didn't 100% know. Uh, so I'm okay for a $200 lesson, but there's certainly no harm in um, leaving it on that platform and letting it recover over time. Or there's probably a fifth option. You lean into the spaceship platform you lean into understanding what you're investing in and if it floats your boat, keep investing into it. I don't know. All I know is whatever you decide, $200 sure over $700, call it 30%, whatever you want to call it, that's a big percentage loss. But we need to step back and say that, okay, whoops, that was bad. I need to move on and I've learned about diversification. Yeah, and I think generally the habit is is the winner here, isn't it? That that monthly out of sight, out of mind amount that goes away is going to be the winner. Not necessarily, yeah, the performance obviously helps and assists that and gives it a, a, a punch in the arm, but yeah, it's not going to define it. You know, after I did those two episodes about investing for kids, 
I stopped um, investing for my nieces and nephews. Did you? Yeah. Why? They don't need the money. I'd rather <laughs> no. Well, like I would rather um, go on an annual holiday with them. Yeah. Like experiences. Yeah. And late, and I'm just going to keep building wealth. And then if I see a need and I've got the money at the time, then I can give money. Yeah, and I suppose as parents, you you're somewhat trying to do both, aren't you? Mm. Well, most are. It's like okay, yeah, well, but that, but that's the whole thing. Like for me, talking to you as a parent, because you know, let me tell you how to parent your kids, John. Let me mm. give you some advice. Well, everyone right? else does, so you yeah, exactly. You know, I've got no idea, but I'll give you advice anyway. But like, if John and Amy Pigeon build wealth and are strong financially, there'll always be opportunities for their kids to benefit from that. Yes. Regardless of whether we contribute to any kids' fund yes. or not. Absolutely. Yep. And that's yep. kind of where I had resolved. However, yep. some small superficial investment account amounts, even if it's $10 a month, right, mm. that could be a cool tool for kids to be educated and involved with. And that that's the big one for me. Not necessarily yeah. I'm creating wealth over here on the side for the kids. It's more, okay, kids, come along with along the ride here, this is what we're doing here and mm. you can see it grow and they're likely, more likely to stay engaged in that mm. process because they know it's going to end up in their pockets. Yes. So superficial amounts for learning but we're just building wealth over here. And even that superficial amounts for learning, you'd probably even, I know yours is in an investment bond, which I talked about on the episode, but I'd probably even just have that in my own name so I don't have to do a tax file number for kids and kids' tax returns like because the, the purpose isn't for them to be building wealth. The purpose is for them to be learning and if it's in your name, whatever. Like Because yeah. it's, it's only going to be superficial tax. amounts in the scheme of things if you take that approach. Now, some people might be like, that's cute, Glenn and John, you dickheads. Sure, I get that. Um, we we want to put decent amounts every month in a kid's investment account. Awesome. Knock yourself out. Go back to that um, the question we just talked about. Once you're educated and you understand and all that and you make a conscious choice, knock yourself out. Mm. We can't tell you what to do otherwise. In saying that, if we are dickheads and, and we want to contribute larger amounts, it's pretty exciting to look at how much you contribute and what it's going to be worth in 20 years' time. Mm. If you're starting off when your child's 12 months old and then they turn 21, it's, it's quite an interesting exercise. Okay, so get this. Do you know what I'm going to do if I do something like this? Because, John, I'm almost getting to my 40th year. Wow. Okay. You vibe me? You vibe? Sort of. That was years ago. Yeah. yeah. So you're basically past this stage. I like the idea if I was going to spawn and populate the earth with little glens, spread the seed around and all that stuff. <laughs> What I would probably do, given that I am at the time when I spawn, I will be well over 40 because I'm not doing it in the next 10 minutes or probably next two years. I would probably set up a separate super account in my name just for the kids and put the kids as a 100% binding beneficiary. So if I die, the estate planning sorted, they've got that money. And then after age 20, I'll be over age 60 Ta-da, tax-free withdrawal. Mm. So that is a legitimate option, people, if you are spawning the earth and you are over 40. So the moral of the story, don't have kids till you're plus 40. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah. 
we'll 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 take a little breaky break. Uh, we'll pay the bills and we'll come back right after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Welcome back to the podcast. This is the community segment of the week and we ask you the Facebook group, random chat and you answer it and we read your stuff online. We can't do this part of the episode without Sky Wealth. Make sure you've got insurance, life insurance, income insurance, protect yourself before you wreck yourself, all that stuff. Sky.com.au forward slash MMM. The team will have a complimentary discussion with you about how you can protect your family and they'll point you in the right direction. John, we asked, what's the most valuable career advice you've ever received? You can read that first long one. Right, thanks. First one. It's got 46 likes, so it must be interesting. Var says, I will add, job hopping does not look bad on your resume. If you need to leave, go. Have your salary matched or exceeded. You are just a number. No one cares about you. Jobs... (laughs) Jobs that say we are a family, absolute red flag. Don't add colleagues to your social media. Take your lunch break for the full 30 minutes. If you do not have kids, take your sick days for mental health days. The job itself is never the problem. It's always the team and management. Find a job that complements your personality and natural skills. You don't want a job that feels like a personal development activity each day. Enjoy what you do so you do not have to hate Mondays. It's easier to advance in a new opportunity than your current workplace. Don't wait around for a promotion. Invest in your skills privately through short courses, etc. You are not going to outwork a toxic environment. Wow. Had it go. <sighs> there's, a, there's a lot to <laughs> unpack there and I will not be unpacking that. Um, Taylor said, I've got a fortune cookie the other day and inside it said, don't confuse your career with your life. Hmm. Sonia, the only people who will remember all the hours and unpaid overtime you put in are your children. Mm. That is very good. Inga, moving up the corporate ladder isn't about how smart or hardworking you are, but the ability to communicate and influence effectively. Yeah, that's so true. Mm. Uh, Because there's not many doormats that move up the corporate ladder, is there? No, no, generally not. Um, Mm. Remember the song Cats in the Cradle? Sure. 
Sonia, that's that's Sonia, isn't it? Um, she's saying that the oh. people who remember all the hours, mm-hmm. your children, never home, Dad. Thanks, John. There you go. For your oldies, Zahir, the moment your employer says to you, we are family, you must run away without looking back. It's interesting. That's the second time we've heard that. I've made it a thing like my team, we're not family. This ain't a family. <laughs> it's a business and we're team members. Well, like, some people don't talk to their family, so that's cool. No. Nah. Barry, stress is like a rocking chair. Gives you something to do but gets you nowhere. It's great career advice. Alexander, always put your interest before job. You'll be replaced within a few days if they need it and you're not going to be able to replace time and effort you wasted there. So this is a, I think it's a very interesting one. Uh, Jess said, build a trust circle. When you get given feedback from someone you don't respect, so like John, if I give you feedback, you (laughs) go to seek honesty and another opinion from that trust circle. So you might go to Amy, you might go to Jay, you might go to Tim, all your people, and be like, oh, Glenn said this. Is it like yes or no? Well, all those people you've mentioned, I know I'm getting honesty from them, that's for sure. Absolutely. Chris, if you never take sick leave and have a lot accumulated, use them as planned sick days for your medical slash psych slash dental slash physio appointments, which also doubles up as a planned mental health day to prevent burnout. It's not just for when you're completely struck down and on your deathbed. Your loyalty to your job is not defined by how many sick days you haven't taken as previously generations have tried to pass down. That's very true, isn't it? Like the old school is you'd never have a sick day and, and people have a trophy on their on their wall saying, I've never taken a sick day in my life. Well, in some ways I look at that and say, yeah, not the smartest move. Look, I, I've got a lot to say about this and I won't say it now. Maybe I need to do a, a little bonus thing on this whole mental health day, uh, but you know, strictly speaking, um, a dental appointment or a physio appointment isn't sick leave. No, um, but mental health day. No. Nah. Depends where you put, well, how you categorise it. Do you want to go there, John? Do you we want to go there? We have time today. No, well, no, let's, no, no, no. let's go right, there let's after go. we finish the, um, the housekeeping because I've, I've got something to say that it could be seen as controversial. And Unusual. I'm all about that. So we'll bump out of this segment now and get onto some housekeeping and then we might talk about mental health days. Rightio, tonight at 7pm, far out, if you're listening to this on the 10th of October, 2023, Emily Wallace, the host with John on The Property Show, is doing a webinar about apartments for first home buyers. A friend of mine, Azaria, she's looking for an apartment. I told her, go to this webinar. She's going to go. Uh, apartments are fast becoming a more affordable and lifestyle-centric option for first home buyers, but it's important to know how to find the right one for you. Buyers advocate Emily Wallace has sourced many amazing apartments for her clients, so who better to learn from? In this webinar, Emily will walk you through the pros and cons of the apartment lifestyle. That's a big one there. What a great apartment is and is not the kinds of features to be aware of, the potential costs associated with apartment living, how to align an apartment with your home buying goals. There's a link in the show note to register for that uh, webinar. And I just think it's such a good little webinar because we're all living in cities more and buying apartments to actually live in. And this goes back to John, like the lifestyle play versus the investment play. There are two different lenses, right? 
Absolutely there is and it's it's never a one-size-fits-all. So you've got to get and listen to this stuff um, so that you can then apply it to your own life and, um, yeah, move forward with confidence because there's a lot of fluff out there that's mm. not fact. Yeah. So three more bits of housekeeping. Tell us about your online property coach course. Yeah, so um, not necessarily a, a course but a, a one-stop shop to be able to um, subscribe to on a monthly basis uh, for basically anything that's educational around the property space. So if you're a first-time investor or just first-time home buyer or just someone who wants to build a portfolio, uh, then you choose the appropriate level that's right for you. So a combination of um, videos, templates, webinars, blogs, masterclass, classes, uh, property management trackers, our analyzer calculators in there, our academies in there. It's basically, yeah, you, you go in there with your own portal, your own login and get as much information and education out of it as you want. So it's a credit-based system. You uh, just use um, the credits as you need to based on what uh, level of subscription you've got. Mm. So there you go. There's a link in the show notes, John's new course. And who is it exactly for? Well, I've designed this for me when I was first starting out at 21, right, when I was first ready to to take the leap into property but knew not much about it, I'd be going in there straight away and and I'd be enrolling in that. Right, okay. Mm. Uh, Just some other housekeeping. Someone brought to my attention the other day, someone made a comment about um, ads and a bit of a contradiction. Uh, so a couple of things, I just want to walk everyone through how the ads work on the podcast and also to remind everyone that don't make me your guru. Um, as I was alluding to before with the car segment, it's very, very nuanced and complex uh, personal finance. And I personally always have to go back to my solid principles. So I can say, yeah, you might be able to do this, you might be able to do that but this is what I do as a broad principle. Now, when you've been podcasting, like we've been doing this over five years now, John and I, so if you think uh, over five years, at least basically two hours a week, I've talked on a microphone. Um, And what that means is so much crap comes out of my mouth. (laughs) What I said five years ago, I'm ashamed of. And just because I'm just like, what the hell? I'm a different person now. But what I can be very, very confident with is the principles that I have in my financial life are pretty much the same. So I've always believed in spending less than you earn and investing the rest. I've always believed to be a generous giver. I've always believed that you are the best asset that you've got to make money. Now, the nuance, the me and John talking smack and all that, It can sound contradictory sometimes because I'm just verbally processing. I'm talking on a podcast. And basically what happened was uh, at some stage, um, I've talked about supporting local businesses, uh, particularly pharmacies. And then recently I've seen medications, costs change and different medications everywhere. And someone basically said, oh, you're such a joke or hypocrite or something like that because you, you're taking money from Chemist Warehouse. How can you say that you support local business if you're taking money for Chemist Warehouse, which is a national chain, but also friends and family out there? Usually they're locals who own these franchises, but anyway. Um, so all that to say, at the time, if you hear any ads on this podcast and it's not my voice, 
I might not have any idea that the ad's running. If it's some random voiceover, we're part of an ad network, there's markers in each show. I've selected that they can run whatever ads in whatever category, except for, I think I told them to carve out political. I got them to carve out the category of money because anything money related needs to go across my desk and I want to read it. Cut out anything to do with um, the adult entertainment industry because I don't really care to talk about that in this and there could be kids listening. Um, I've also got them to carve out any credit products, which is under the money. So when you hear network, and we call them like network ads, um, there might be some lady talking about Pino Cruises. And I could say right now, hey, everyone, I bought some scripts from my local Terry White chemist yesterday, which I actually did. <laughs> I got medication from Terry White chemist. And there could be a chemist warehouse ad getting played right now. So when you watch the frigging Bachelor or Love Island and you see ads come up during the ad break, you don't go back and watch the programming and go, I can't believe these people on this island of love support chemist warehouse. What a joke. So I'm just getting on my soapbox a bit, but that's how the podcast ads work. We're on a podcast ad network. I'm a walking contradiction. I verbally process, spew crap out everywhere, every day. I'm aware of it. I'm trying to be a better person, but I'm just like you. I'm just a guy chatting. But I do know I'll never contradict myself about consumer debt. I'll never contradict myself about um, using Afterpay. I'll never contradict myself about investing money for your future. I'll never contradict myself about you are the biggest asset to make serious money in your life. So take that for what you will. Don't hold me as your hero. I'm not your hero. I'm a facilitator of a conversation and you listen to this podcast every week if you can to keep focused, keep encouraged. I want to say crap, which I'm about to say about this mental health day, and I want you to be outraged with me and disagree with me because guess what? You're allowed to do that. We're not all going to agree, but we can come together in a civilized society and share our differences like the Facebook group. And just because we might not agree with what someone says doesn't mean that they're a psychopath and they should die and you hate them. Uh, I talk a lot with a lot of friends who have very different beliefs and views and we get along just fine because the friendship comes before anything else. So like with this money stuff, if I say something and you don't agree with it, you don't have to jump on and slam me online for saying all this stuff because guess what? It's what I believe. It's not what you believe. There is no perfect. I'm sorry. And I just needed to say that because the more podcasts we do, the more chat that will be coming out of my mouth and I'll probably get cancelled for it one day. But hey, right now, these are my principles. This is what I believe. And it's okay if you don't agree with me. And I don't want an audience that agrees with every word that drips out of my mouth. Mm. And he's still young, ladies and gentlemen. Like he's not yet 40, so he's still got some learnings. He really does. Stick with him. And just another thing. He's a good, authentic guy. (laughs) And just another thing uh, with the Facebook group, uh, if you promote your own stuff, we just delete it. Um, The reason why there's a no self-promotion rule is um, various times people have reached out to us and had an issue with a real estate agent or a mortgage broker or someone like that. Like, oh, we learned about it from My Millennial Money. It's like, no, you didn't. Some random told you about that. Not my problem. Uh, But if we recommend you to a a mortgage broker like Sphere Home Loans who are um, supporting the show or any of our other preferred advisors or brokers, at least if things don't go to plan, 
I categorically know that the companies that we deal with will own it and fix it. Simple as that. And John, you know, a problem that I've had recently, I've shared it on the podcast. I didn't mention what industry or what company and all that. Longstanding relationship, they dropped the ball, they fixed it. I've still got confidence in that because that's the character that you need to look for when dealing with professional services. Buttered it in the nip. Sure. Mm. Right, yeah. So this mental health day thing, Rach and Jesse, my team, I actually remember the conversation. Uh, we were in Nashville at a cafe, Barista Parlour, and they asked what my policy was on mental health days. And I jokingly said, yeah, I've got a policy. You get two a week, Saturday and Sunday. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's your mental health day. And then like joking, joking, back off. But from my view, and this is where you might not agree with me, number one, if you're ill or you're sick and you can't work, you do not need to tell your employer when you say, I'm unwell today, I can't come in, it's a sick day. So you don't actually have to tell your employer that, okay, everyone? Number two, I don't like when I see, you know, photos on Instagram, I'm laying on a beach, oh, well-deserved mental health day, the meme of it and all that stuff. I don't like the, and this is probably more employer-centric, and I have been an employee before and I didn't heaps abuse the system and max out my sick days and all that. I just genuinely think if you can't work because you're sick, have a sick day, you shouldn't feel guilty about that. But in terms of mental health day, from an employer's point of view, and namely me, I'm really concerned if you need a mental health day because of the environment that I've set for my team. And I shared this with my team because if you're so stressed out, it either means you're overworked or you're not in the right fit. And that's causing mental anguish, right? So my whole thing was and is with the team, I don't like to run the team on more than say 80% at any time. There will be times where we have to bump up to 100%. There will be times where we have to push 110% for a short period. And this afternoon, John, if something newsy breaks that's money related, we need the team to drop everything. Let's record a podcast and let's get it up before the commute home. So there are times like that. But it's a bigger problem if your work is causing you stress because it's you're overworked, There's it's a, maybe a toxic environment, unrealistic expectations, and you need to take a mental health day because of that. That's a problem. Now, when it comes to actual uh, mental health and, you know, you are a person who's going to work, I don't think it's fair that you outsource your problems to your employer to fix. And what do I mean by that? I mean, are you going to bed and getting a good night's sleep every night? Are you looking after yourself as a, like eating well, exercising and all that? We can't outsource our problems to other people to fix. So I don't know. It's probably pretty scandalous, all this stuff that I'm saying. Uh, I believe if you do have a medical appointment, a dentist, psychology appointment, a physio appointment, that's not a sick day. That's personal leave. In our business, we've done a four-day work week now. And the expectation when and if possible is to do life admin on a Friday. And 100%, I know as a leader and as an employer that there are specialist type of appointments that have to be on on a Tuesday because that's all you can get. I get that. So as an employer, we've made the rule because we're pretty autonomous and all that, 
if you need to be away from your desk for more than two hours, you take half the day off as annual leave. So that's kind of what I think about this whole mental health day thing. If you're not mentally well and you haven't been for some time and you're not coping, please see your GP. It's not your boss's responsibility to give you the day off to rest if you're not looking after yourself. And looking after yourself means I'm going to my GP. There is a problem and I need to get some help. So take that for what you will. That's just from my experience being a person who has legitimate mental health issues and is medicated. Delicious, delicious Venla vaccine. Um, And also as a person who employs people, but also as a person who's trying to strike the best balance possible with my team. But I've just got a real problem if it's like, oh, I'm overworked, I need a mental health day, photo on Instagram, just couldn't be bothered today, I'm just at the beach having a mental health day. It's like, well, Mondays don't suck, your life sucks. Yeah, no, and I think I think we're on the same page there. We came in from maybe a different angle before the break. Um, I think it's it's all in the framing and, and the whole employer versus employee. It's a, it is you're right. It's a striking a balance, but I think sick days, mental health days, personal leave. Let, let's just call it a life day and say, right, this is what we've got for for the year. And we can use them on what we need. But if we've got the respect within the group uh, that we're working for, then we'd use them for our psych or our physio or, or masseur or whatever it is just to make sure that we're running at, um, running full tilt. But I, I think we call them sick days. So naturally we're saying, well, we need to be sick. If you're not sick, you need to be coming to work. But it's actually a, a life day, isn't it? Because I know... No, I, I would disagree. Okay, well, what's happening in Amy's instance at the moment? She's like, okay, I need to take these appointments, but I can't get in because of the Monday, Friday thing and, and it's not open Saturday, Sunday. So when do we take them, right? And do we do we use up our um, holidays, which we then got, we've got kids, or we like where's the balance in that? So there needs to be some flexibility in that, but lying on a beach is a different conversation. Yeah, so... And that's why I've tried as hard as I can to strike the balance Um, and and I'll drill into it. Like as an employer to give a sick day, it's because someone is unable to work because they're ill, right? So, okay, so you've got sick days and you've got personal leave. Yes. So personal leave by the book is holidays, annual leave, paid annual leave, personal leave. Yeah. And you're entitled to X amount per year? Four weeks a year, yeah. And, and if you want to use one of them because you've got a dental appointment on a Thursday at 1 p.m. Go for it. Take half a day annual leave. And then the sick days. If you're sick and you can't work. Which require a medical get, certificate. Yeah, depending on the policies. Yeah, but generally for most organisations. Well, they, either they side of a long weekend or a weekend, they may require it. Yeah. I actually don't, I've never asked for one in no, all the no. years that I've employed people because it goes back and I get it. Like I'm a small business, everyone, I'm not corporate. I basically, you know, I don't even log sick days because no. I like to think I employ people that I trust. And, you know, if someone is sick for more than the eight days a year, um, they're legitimately sick and I'll do everything I can to support them. Yeah. But if you've got an individual who is taking the piss and they've got no more sick days and they are doing the Instagram sick day 
mental health day thing taking the piss, well, they're going to get found out pretty fast in our business. Um, yeah, and, and I think it's a culture thing, what what you're actually breeding within the group and maybe you've recruited wrong or like it's just we're, yeah. we're on a different page there if that's the case. Mm. But I think, yeah, from what you said, and that, look, there's going to be people that agree with you, um, but for me in that situation, that's why I've basically said if you've got to duck out from your desk on like number one, life admin on a Friday, but if you've got to leave your desk or your work for anything that can't be done on a Friday for more than two hours, because I, I'm okay with someone, oh, I've got to duck down to the doctors, I'm away yeah. an hour and a half, I'll just work back an hour and a half, all good, get your work done, don't care. Yeah, That's fine, but I've just made the decision at if it's more than two hours, I just want you to take half a day of annual leave because I don't want you to come back and work four hours into the night to make up for it. That's fair. Um, because that's not heaps productive and, um, yeah, so I don't know. It, it is a big discussion and and that's kind of, yeah, by the book from what you said, what Amy's doing, she's not sick. It's not a sick day. No. She's chucking a sickie and being dishonest. No, she's just not doing any of it and getting more and more frustrated. No, what, sorry, what do you mean? She's not prepared to take a sick day oh, for things okay. that she's not sick for. Yes, yes. But you're saying, and this is important, um, you're saying there needs to be maybe two personal days a year that you can just correct. So if I was if I was the controller of sick days or, or life days at the New South Wales Department of Education, <laughs> yes, I would here we say go, everyone. Okay, you've got I don't know. I'm just making up a number. Five sick days a year, and you got seven or eight. Okay, so let's yeah. call it. Okay, if there's ten, I'm going to cut that in half and say you can have five, and the other five are, are life days. Mm. Just go and do what you need to do and just come back fresh and organised mm. and, and you'll be more productive in the workplace. Yeah, and that's kind of, that is the dance. And actually Shell just interviewed recently uh, last month Tim Duggan on the Career Podcast um, about the future of work and how messed up it is because this is crazy. Like, mm. yeah, and I, I know it, I, and I know I'm pretty hard line, but it's just because I'm a bit sometimes black and white and... You yeah. just don't – I don't think as a, an institution you want that culture of people, quote, unquote, chucking sickies. No, and I think the it, it rots at the head. It's it, We need to go back a step to find out where that went wrong. We mm-hmm. we shouldn't have had a culture that's made – forced people to go and do that. We've lost some respect or something somewhere along mm-hmm. the line. Anyway. Yeah. Because I, I just like – yeah, I I just don't log sick days. And I probably do and should because of – I don't know, statutory things just in case, but I don't care. Like everyone in our team, everyone's highly trusted by me. Yeah. But I know that we're not a big corporate. So does that mean like if Amy does need to go to a dentist specials or something and it can only be Tuesday at lunchtime or Tuesday at 1 p.m., what does she do? Well, John has to kick in and do it for her if it's involving well, the kids. Like, oh, I was going to say, what, you, you grab the pliers and fix the tooth. And, yeah. and this is more to my point. It's like not poor old me trying to fill the void. It's, it's more, okay, Amy needs to see a, a chiro or physio about something. Um, she can't do that because of the system. So now what? She has to go and just be a less efficient operator within the organisation. Yeah, So, but, but what I'm saying is, 
in practice, she's now a school teacher full time, right? Or she's back at teaching. Mm. Like in practice, if she did have a an appointment that was at one PM on a Tuesday, in practice, what happens? Does she take leave without pay or say I've got a personal she'd, she'd thing? She'd have to take the whole day as a teacher. You can't right. just say I'm gonna have a half. Right. Yeah. Which Gen- probably just mm. swings into where sickies come about. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And they see them mm. at the local horse races. <laughs> but this is the whole discussion about the world and the economy that we live in. Mm. You know, the nine to five production line, go to work, die, go yeah. home. It's just not the same. And and that's why like I love the four day work week because right. I think it 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 helps the team. Yeah. Um Shell was actually saying they should do that with schools, like do a um, longer days, a, a longer day, and have Friday yeah. off or something. Yeah, but, no, yeah. I agree. No, it's a good, it's a good concept. So um, just on this thing, uh, we'll move along. Actually, you know that first question from Var, that big rant about no one cares about you, you're just a number, blah, blah, all that mm. like hectic stuff. Um, not knowing, like Rach sent this uh, community segment through after we hit record and after I'd prepped this episode, one of the questions that I wanted to discuss was from the same person. I see. And they said, if one has been offered a job at a company that has offered working from home opportunities to the last worker, so I take that as the person who got the job before this person was offered that. Yes. Should you ask that it be written in your contract or just assume it will have same provisions this is for a leadership role. And then there's just another um, comment from Brooke, another question that's kind of similar. Would love to hear from people who have been able to quit their jobs. My ultimate goal is to work from home but still make enough to live. Would love to know what others have done. I really want to quit and I'm trying to find a way so I'm looking for inspiration. We might actually swing back around to that. But just on this VAR thing about mm. you just have to put in writing. Like if they said Got it, it and they – a legitimate about it, well, put into the contract that yeah. my hours are X to X and three of the five days a week, I can work remote. And I'd probably start changing the language, everyone, if you're doing this negotiation, that you don't have um, the language of work from home, have the language of remote working, uh, just so you don't paint yourself into a corner because mm. you might want to have a, a long weekend in Melbourne and you live in Sydney or Brisbane and you're happy to just work from a friend's house for that Monday. Um, you know, you it's not hard. Life home, days but, every day. Yeah, life days every day. <laughs> uh, so, don't assume. Yeah, absolutely put it in the thing. Now, there is a difference between contractual obligations and company policies. Uh, policies can change and they they don't impact. Uh, what the national employment standard is and any of that. And company policy might, example, be anytime you have a sick day, you've got to provide a sick day certificate or a sick a doctor's certificate. And that's a policy that they can change and it doesn't really impact the um, the employment contract. Yeah, it's really, it's really changed the landscape, hasn't it? Like obviously it was, it was fast forwarded by COVID, but like this working remotely is for the good people it's outstanding for the company to have that balance of people just not having to commute and everything else. But for the ones that really want to take the pee out of it, like it can become really toxic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of. Well, 
funny you should, um, you know, we talk about this work from home. Your favorite app, Grinder, they've <laughs> just had, I think I saw it, like 46% of their workforce quit because they were ordered back to work. Wow. In America. Wild, isn't it? And America, that I was going to say that before, America's whole annual leave thing, like it's nowhere yeah, near where Australia year. is. So yeah, like how do year. they deal with that? Yeah. yeah. I was speaking it, to someone out from the States the other day and they're like, wow, you, you've got it so good out here and, and we're, just, we're just experiencing burnout. All my friends in the States, they don't have those two weeks off over Christmas and all that stuff. Everyone no. just works through. Yeah. So like- we do have a pretty good relative to some other places, but that goes back to, you know, when we wrote the career book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money, the whole premises of that and chapter one was on values and particularly for um, VAR going into a new job, the best shot you've got at framing what you will accept is going to be when you start a new role mm. because you're like, these are my things and if you don't like it and a lot of these community section of the week things, they, you know, you look at some of this stuff, there's a values thread in there, what the company values in terms of their people and also what you value in terms of a person. Um, and especially if you've been headhunted, yeah. you've really got that control to say, yeah, actually I, I need to work remotely, it needs to be in the contract, I need X, Y and Z. Yep. But interesting just off the cuff here, it's for a leadership role mm. and we're working remotely. So, yeah, I don't know about you, but I, if I'm leading or getting someone to lead a team, uh, I'd, I'd probably like them in the office a little bit more. Yeah, maybe. Depends. It all depends. I mean, and this is the whole thing, like you're listening to here now and you're like, oh, I drive an ambulance or I'm a nurse. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's cute. You're never working remotely from home. So I think yeah, it is all circumstantial. Shed. Yeah. But you're, um, yeah, if, if everyone else is in the office and your leader's working from home, there's an issue. Mm, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. I would say they need to be present. Could be three days a week present. Uh, there is, if the whole team is in the office, sure, you probably do want a leader present. But I, I don't think you can lead well by not being present as well and goes back to if the culture is set right. Yeah. Anyway, good career episode today. Yeah, we're here for it. So, and this other question from Brooke about, I'd love to hear who have been able to quit their jobs uh, and are working from home, blah, blah, blah. So what Brooke is actually saying, what I believe she needs to have the right question is, I want to work for myself and I want to do that from home and make enough to live. I think... Um, although, yeah, I really want to quit and I'm trying to find out, yeah, okay, maybe not. Maybe that is, we don't know what Brooke does, but if no one in your office has ever worked remotely, can you ask the question, Brooke, can I work remotely one or two days a week as a trial? Can we trial this? Hmm. And, and unfortunately, it may also come down to how important Brooke is within that company. And mm. is she replaceable? Because that's just the way life works. Um, higher up the chain, you potentially ask for more perks. Mm. Um, Otherwise, I think it's 100% possible to just start looking for another role where you can work remotely. Yeah. And because if the house isn't burning down, 
you might be able to look for the next six months or a year for the ultimate role that you can do what you trained and what you're good at from home slash remotely. I was talking to someone in Sydney the other day. They were commuting an hour 40 each way. <sighs> so that's a, maybe a Brook example where, hell, I need to work from home here. This is, uh, this is killing my life. Yeah, wow. Well, we should probably just leave it there. Or I can keep those others for another day. Yeah, we, we got sidetracked, but hey, we're here for it, everyone. It's a good yarn. It really was. Well, we'll leave it there. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you still are, uh, we appreciate your support in everything you do. Um, if you value our podcast, please forward it to a friend that you might think could benefit from this episode today. We really want to grow the podcast get it into more ears and the only way we can do that is from your generous forwarding so thank you so much you can hear john every wednesday on the property podcast otherwise we'll see you soon my name's glenn james and this guy is john pigeon all right bye 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 We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.